0: Eternal Dirtles is a podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and supporters like you. Come to our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and support us. Thanks.
1: Many changes, sign up for the tourney and I ask my team. Is legacy really just a dying scene? London Mulligan making Brizzle Brand OP, mulled to oblivion from a hate piece. Still, I'm getting wrecked by what Khan creates. Lattice lock, like a chump who tried to innovate. New Teferi says instant speeds, no go. Narset cast brainstorm, hell no. Modern horizons added to the mix. Giving all the bad rug decks, Renin six. Cascade retrace, your Strix is dead. Dread Horde Arcanist is good, Nate said. Yogg Moths dope, ran position. Put Nick Fit right back in position. To lose two lions, I Diamond, Eons Echo. Shuffle up, draw tendrils, oh hello. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Legacy with all these changes simultaneously. I'd love to go back to how we played as kids before match change, and that's the way it is.
0: Hello, and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me this week is Gordon Feldstead. Gordon, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic. How about yourself, Zach? I'm doing good. Uh, just so the listeners have an idea of what's going on, uh, Nate's out for a family emergency this week, uh, Phil is working. And uh, Gordon is jumping in to uh, talk about the uh, NYSE event that we both attended uh, this weekend in, on in Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Vintage. Vintage. So this is a vintage podcast. Uh, I apologize to all of you, uh, my loyal, the loyal Legacy fans that we have. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dive into vintage uh, for this week because I actually got to play some, and uh, the other two guys aren't here, so uh, you know I get to do what I want. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, anyhow, uh, so I guess uh, let, let's just start off uh, talking about how the day began. Uh, I arrived in the cab, uh, and uh, John uh, Grudzino was going to pick us up. Uh, and so I arrived in the cab in Long Island City, and, uh, and and there you were looking like, you know, I was like, hey, this guy's definitely a magic player.
1: Yeah, you definitely said, <laughs> that, you asked me if I was a wizard, apparently, <laughs> and that. I was in fact a wizard there. Yeah, yeah. I arrived the night before, flying in from Salt Lake City, and so like I, I intentionally arrived the night before because in years past, I uh, what I've seen from posts from this year's NYSC6 is that there was a vintage FNM, and so I was like really excited about playing a paper vintage FNM because the last one I played in, there were two. Uh, so the last vintage FNM I played in was in Pocatello, Idaho, and. Uh, there were only two people there with actual vintage decks. So there was myself playing Dark Petition Storm and another person playing Shops. Everyone else there was essentially just playing modern decks with mental missteps. Nice. And it, <laughs> yeah, like there was actually an Eldrazi player who was playing, uh, like, essentially just a modern version of, like, Jeskai Eldrazi, but through an Eye of Ugans because he could.
0: Yeah, of course. And it was like,
1: all oh, right, this is fantastic. I ended up going 4 0 that night and winning the whole thing, which. Coming out of it was really nice. And so I was like really excited to play a vintage FNM in New York with other vintage players who would actually have vintage decks. But messaging Nick the night before, he's like, no, there's no vintage FNM this year. And I was like, oh, bummer. And so instead, it was just testing the night before. And yeah, we met the next day, Saturday morning, right in front of John's to go head out to the NYSE.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, we get to, the, we get to the tournament center, we'll skip the car ride. That's unnecessary. Um, and, yeah. uh, and you know, we got, we got our sign ups and everything and made sure everybody was, was there. And, uh, they had this part of the event where they were like, Hey, um, if, if you have a team together, your total team score at the end, the best team will get a, will get a prize. So, uh, it, it took Do you everybody. What the price I, mean, was for it? I have no idea. I think it was like a library of Alexandria or something, something insane like that. It was all right. Yeah, uh, I I honestly don't know. We sh, I, I should check and find out and put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. So anyhow, uh I, Gordon was there and uh Phil Nagayan was there and we knew that Phil was also on sort of a janky deck. He was playing uh a, basically a Legacy Dark Depths deck with some power thrown in. And yeah. uh and we were like, well, hey, none of us have a, a team. Let's just be Team Eternal Dirtles for the weekend and see what happens. So yeah, we had a team at that point. Mm-hmm and so uh what's going to follow is uh how the tournament went for for the two of us because I uh Phil, Phil's not here to to fill us in totally but mm-hmm. Phil Phil did the best out of all of us I think he went five and two yeah
1: I, um I would believe so i I can't remember what his record was I was I remember looking through uh the eternal central tournament report afterwards and seeing that he was pretty high up there I think he was like within but he was
0: only within the top sixteen and the top thirty-two. He definitely did the best out of both of us. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, let's let's uh I, I can probably fill in enough time to actually find his his actual rankings. Uh I, mm-hmm. I know I was about thirty Oh, I think thirty-six. Uh so he had to be well above me. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Here. Yeah, I yeah, know I was the go. bottom of the barrel of that tournament. Yeah, I'm thirty-six. Let's skip all the way down to N here. And, uh, uh, Phil was, uh, 15th. Oh, Uh, so good. Good on Phil. Yeah. And, uh, and you, uh, you narrowly edged out, uh, Roland Chang, uh,
1: who was not (laughs) at the
0: tournament, uh, for 81st place. (laughs) What it's about. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, round by round how, how we did. So, uh, round one, I went up against, uh, a Karnforge deck and I had not seen, uh, I hadn't played vintage in, in probably over a year uh competitively. So I, I really had no idea what, what was in store for me. Uh and I guess I should talk about my deck. I played a uh, uh Dancing Jesus list of uh uh basically threshold, like rug threshold, but I added black into my main deck for a Yixla jailer. So basically it's a run and Six, uh Collector Ulf, uh sorry, uh Trip Mine deck. Uh, and that's you know you just get your value off of that. I'm not playing Jace's. I'm playing Chandra instead because uh, of Narset and uh, Pyroblast just being so prevalent in the in the marketplace. I figured that uh, it, it was just a better call. And it's actually you know what what Dancing Jesus played too. So uh, if you look online, that's that's the list. Uh, I took out a couple lands and threw in some uh, black lands so that I could play the jailers. Uh, so what did you play?
1: So I played. Bug Survival of the Fittest. Uh, So a lot of my testing that I was doing beforehand, I had to kind of think strategically for it because right after the NYIC, I flew out for vacation with my family. And so right now I'm on vacation, and so I'm just enjoying some time away from work and everything else that's going on. And so... Uh, I had to plan strategically for this because I knew I was going to be there for a while and I didn't want to take too many cards with me. So I ended up taking, for the vintage FNM, I was going to play Dredge. And then for uh, this event, I decided to play Survival. And mostly with my testing, what I was doing was testing specifically with, or not really testing, but like essentially all all my thought process went into Survival was through one of my vintage testing friends, Danny Batterman. And Danny and I, we just kind of sat and talked about for a while. Essentially, the question came up. is like, if you were going to play in the Y C, what would you play? And he just said survival. And I was like, okay, why? And the reasons that he told me was because that with the London Mulligan, it's really good. Like, it will have really good mulligans. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Essentially, where you can get to the point that you either have a turn one uh, survival of the fittest or a turn one uh, Bazaar of Baghdad into... Maybe a uh, Basking root walla and a hollow one to then get your Vengevine out and do something like that So the Mulligan rule for London Mulligan benefited the deck really well. Yeah, um as well as giving it the card force of vigor um, At first I wasn't sold on the idea of force of vigor, but then just testing it out online and seeing how well it did I That card's fantastic in survival the fittest and I fell in love with it and how well it could perform um with the list that i was playing it definitely was a little heavy on it because i was playing the full four and there's times that i wish that i played three instead but i like force of vigor yeah there's gonna be some people who are saying like they're gonna be on their high horse of saying force of vigor is just like a really good card and it's busted and people shouldn't be on their high horse for that long i'm gonna be on this high horse for a while (laughs) the card is fantastic um i i in my testing online, just playing against PO and Karn shops opponents, and just so many people, there'd be so many times when they would just try and go like go all out, go for a big PO, go for um, like starting to draw through their deck with Mystic Forge and uh, Sensei's dividing Top and Foundry Inspector. And I would just go, okay, in response to that, I'm going to force a vigor your most important artifacts out of there. So that way, their po instead of drawing for three, they only draw for one, and then at that point they stop comboing off yeah. with um, the Mystic Forge combo. And so that that card's been fantastic. It's definitely gotten me out of a few sticky
0: situations. It's like uh, a it's like another Force of Will against those decks.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like the thing with Survival of the Fittest is that like there were decks that were playing Force of Will in their main deck, and some people that were playing Force of Vigor. With Force of Will, you like it's very important to make sure that you have the blue cards to support it a lot of the time. And with Survival of the Fittest, that deck you don't typically have yeah. a lot of blue cards to support it. Like you have Leo, you have the Force of Will itself to support it. You have the Leovold, uh, you have Wonder. Uh, there's also uh, Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, Mental Misstep. Uh, and some people would play like Force of, or Fluster Storm and uh, Deep Analysis okay. as ways to just kind of get ahead on cards. But the thing is, like, you're so tight on the blue cards for Force of Will in that deck that most of the time it just doesn't make sense to play
0: it. Yeah, you're and definitely so having Force... heavier in green cards.
1: Yeah, you're a lot heavier on the green cards instead of the blue cards, and so like Force of Vigor just makes sense a lot of the time. And you're going to have so many cards that will just either be dead or they will, um uh, like, you'll just have so many extras that you're like, okay, I don't care that I pitch this Vengevine to this Force of Vigor right yeah. here. I'm still going to attack you for twelve in the end it's still, like, a really good card in general.
0: Yeah. Okay, Um, so let's go into our matchups for round one. I played uh, Karnforge. Yep. And what did you play?
1: So my first round, I played against a Eldrazi Karn deck. Uh, Okay. Man, like, so I guess I should start off saying that my record the entire weekend was two and five. Uh, (laughs) I was there mostly just to have fun and, like, i didn't care too much about winning that much i was there just for the fun mm-hmm. and so like every time you see me or every time you actually hear me talking about some other opponent that i played i probably lost oh two or one two it was it was still fantastic so why don't you go through your matchup first
0: okay yeah so i played uh Carnforge, uh a deck i had not seen yet and um I you know I just assumed it was just like ravager shops and I went about my way playing against the deck as I would normally um what I'll say about this uh, about this first round it was a real ungluing of like what i what I, what this deck was capable of doing for me and because I normally don't play fair decks in in vintage I mean fair is a obvious it's a hard fair word is pretty to subjective yeah, there. yeah it's a subjective <laughs> word. Um, But I normally don't play fair decks in vintage. I play like PO or I play like uh, a a vault deck of some kind. Uh, This was my first foray into fair decks. And I really don't think that in this matchup in particular, I took full advantage of the London Mulligan. Uh, When I had those collector oolves in my deck, I should have Mulligan to them. uh, And I didn't. And so in the first game, I lost to just Karn, Lattice. I'm out of the game. In the second game, I lost to uh, Foundry Inspector, Sensei's Divining Top, and Mystic Forge, and I had I hadn't even seen it, so my opponent embarrassingly had to go through the entire thing to like get to a point where he could win, because I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but it looks awesome, and I want to know about it. So he did the whole thing, and and he, yeah, he he did get me. So I lost that one 0-2, and I specifically this was one of the two matchups that I think that had I molded a little smarter, I could have easily won won these. And even though I lost at 0-2, I think that I. Uh, I could have easily mulliganed much smarter in the second and possibly third games. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, London mulligan. That's that's definitely like the new thing for Vintage and just figuring that out yeah. right now and what exactly it does.
0: So, yeah. so you played Eldrazi Shops. Yeah,
1: so it was specifically just a Karn Eldrazi deck because the thing with... Like the Eldrazi deck it's not known for playing workshops just because the mana is so bad in it. Yeah. That you have to like be really careful with it. Like your mana is essentially uh like with the traditional uh, Eldrazi deck, your mana is four Ancient Tombs, four City of Traders, four uh, Eldrazi Temple, four Iavugan, uh Wastelands and Stripline. Like that's that's your typical mana base right there. Um and then also you have access to the Moxin uh, soul Ring, Mana Crypt, stuff like that. And so traditionally, uh, Eldrazi has always been a Null Rod deck. Like, it's been known that just, like, when you go against it, it's like, okay, well, these collector, like, this is actually what happened to me. So I go against it round one, and I get smashed by Reality Smasher and Tha'Nazir, the typical Eldrazi start. Yep. And so I just think in my mind, okay, if this is Eldrazi right here. So this is traditionally, traditionally a Null Rod deck. So I'm going to take out these collector oofs that I have in my main deck. I don't need these anymore. And it turns out I was mis- like, I made a mistake there. Because then they went uh, game two, like a whole bunch of artifacts, Karn the Great Creator. And I was like, oh crap, I've messed up. <laughs> I, I did not see that coming. I, and so I was like, oh crap, I don't have oofs in here. I have to rely entirely on force of vigor here in order to actually try and win this game. Or not really win this game, but to have any kind of hope of winning. And I think by the time you were walking around to see what was going on, my opponent was uh, wishing for an Snaring Bridge out of their deck and then playing an Snaring Bridge to have zero cards left in their hand. It didn't look good. It was not (laughs) looking good. I was like, all right, so my outs at this point are drawing uh, Force of Vigor or the energy fluxes that I'd already discarded, or the Assassin's Trophies that I'd already discarded. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just on Force of Vigor at this point. And so, like, at that, like, me as a Magic player, I'm not going to concede at that point if I know I still have outs. Like, I know I can find a way out of it. And so, eventually my opponent found a walking Ballista and couldn't play it for a lethal amount of damage, but they just kept revving it up every single turn and just putting counters on it. And they got down to one after putting so many counters on it. But I had no reach just to ping them for the one and kill them, unfortunately. I had to attack them somehow. And you and had had
0: a Leavolt at that point, right?
1: Yeah, so my very <laughs> last turn, I played a Leavolt, and they had eight counters on their Walking Ballista, and I was at ten. Their next turn, they had enough to ramp it up to ten. So I was like, okay, hopefully my opponent makes a mistake here, and I can actually find a way out of this. So they so they'd go to their turn, they draw their card, they... Uh, proceed to take their ballista up to 10 counters and they just sit there for like a minute and think is this exactly what i want to do do i want to go for lethal here and eventually just goes ping you for one i'm like all right trigger (laughs) off the evil draw card and it's like all right we're just going to take this one shot at a time and like at first i was i was telling my partner about this and he was saying, like, why didn't they just shoot the Leovold first? And I was saying, like, well, they had lethal tokens or lethal damage on their ballista. They might as well just shoot me instead. Yeah. And so after drawing 12 cards, because I had a Bazaar of Baghdad in play as well, so I might as well try and dig a little sure. bit more yeah, yeah. and make sure I can find my outs and all of them.
0: Uh, eventually, I get, I get shot to death by a walking ballista. So and go for it. it's interesting to me that he let you draw the cards. Yeah. Because he shouldn't like, he shouldn't let you draw the cards. He should just target you with with the walking ballista. You put that trigger on the stack. He targets you again. You put that trigger on the stack. He targets you again. C- continue yeah. ad nauseum until you have lethal. Like, lethal mm-hmm. is happening to you unless you have some way to gain life.
1: Yeah. Like, there's no... Well, the thing is, like... So you'd put the trigger on... So, I think... In theory, I think you're thinking the right the right thing, but I'm just trying to, like... Go through it in my head mm-hmm. and see what does the stack look like after that. And so you have at the very top a so a trigger to draw with Leopold and then a shooting ballista. Mm-hmm. And then so you draw it and then you get shot down to one. And then you just have all those triggers up, so you still draw the ten cards. Yeah, out. Yeah, you're still going to
0: get those cards, but the the big sweet spot here is that you can't draw Crows and Grip to get out of this. No, absolutely
1: yeah. not. And like the thing is, I didn't have mana up for Crows and Grip anyways, sure. and I was underneath the sphere, so at that point. I had to draw a green card, a Force of Vigor, and an Elvish Spirit Guide in order to like actually get out of it. But I think I had already pitched both of my Spirit Guides at that point.
0: And I was like, eh, oh well. A Nature's like, Claim would have been perfect there. Get your own Nature's artifact. Claim would
1: have been good as well. Just
0: <laughs> anything else. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Leopold was still awesome to just to say, well, I drew ten cards and still lost.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, So uh, so then we go on to round two. Uh, Mm -hmm. we meet up in between rounds and we're like, yep, we both lost Phil, uh, Phil had won. Uh, and and we go to uh round two where I played against oath Karn, which I didn't even know was a possible deck. Uh, and of course, uh, in round one, I played against the, the Karn side of that deck. So Mm -hmm. I sideboarded to worry about Karn and then Mm -hmm. my opponent turn one in the second game, Uh, drops an oath uh, against me, and I'm like, oh, no. I did not expect this part of a thing to happen. And what I was really hoping for was that he had uh, uh, what's called Blightsteel Colossus because I felt like I could figure out ways around Blightsteel Colossus through blocking and maybe, Mm -hmm. like, figuring out a way to win from there versus uh, Grizzlebrand, which I knew was just going to be, like, a storm combo or something. And, of course, he got Grizzlebrand, and mm-hmm. I, you know, he drew a ton of cards, and I, I think he uh, tendrils me or something like that. He cast, he cast a, a Yawgmoth's Will, and at that point I was like, I think I've lost this. Yeah. Uh, g- game over, you got me. So he O2'd me. This is a match that I don't think that I could have mulliganed my way out of, because I did not realize what was even going on. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. My round two was, again, my round two was in the feature match area, so if you go back and watch the footage, you get to see me just be absolutely confused against uh, Matt Murray playing Riddlesmith combo. Ooh. What does Riddlesmith do again? So I think I looked at it again. It's a two-mana, two-one. Uh, whenever you cast an artifact spell, you can draw a card, and if you do, discard a card. So just whenever you cast an artifact, you loop. Yeah. And, and so,
0: and so how, did he, how, did, how does that combo work? So the way that combo works is
1: your. Your win condition is Monastery Mentor in that game. Uh, what you're wanting to do is loot through most of your deck, and specific cards that you want to be putting in your graveyard are Echo of Eons. So you put Echo of Eons in your graveyard, and you have Lotus, Lion's Eye Diamond to make sure that you can effectively cast that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also in a way to make sure that your opponent doesn't get to draw those cards or do anything else on your turn, you have new Teferi and new Narset. there uh, there to just protect you as well. And so, uh, just right so the turn before I was going to kill Matt, uh, he had his Riddle Smith out and he just started playing artifacts as, just as many as possible. This is game one, uh, and he eventually just starts digging through most of his deck, and eventually he discards a Echo of Eons. And I'm like, okay, so I have these two Deathrite Shamans in play. Specifically, they're going to be there to eat Echo of Eons and just Echo of Eons because I didn't assume, I assumed. That he wouldn't have that many echo of eons in his deck and so i just say okay eat this echo of eons right here and maybe he's fizzled at that point since you're looting instead of just drawing cards yeah. off of it and so i was like all right well maybe if i can hit this echo of eons then i'm gonna be fine and everything's gonna be okay and what happened is after he so i think after ancestral recalling uh the first time that game one, he then cast a time twister. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, like, let's let's see where this goes. So cast the time twister and then picks up his new seven and starts looting through or starts going through his entire deck again. Uh, and he gets to the point where he only has five cards left in his deck and then casts demonic tutor. He hasn't played a mentor yet at this point, but he's dug through most of his deck to try and find monastery mentor and monastery mentor is in the bottom five cards and eventually just dt's for it and then grabs the monastery mentor and then recasts an echo or flashes back an echo of eons and it just essentially he just keeps this loop going over and over again just drawing all all these cards off of casting artifacts and then just discarding things that you don't need anymore and stuff that i was seeing there was like force of will mental misstep on uh, preordains, just like the typical blue shell. Yeah. And eventually he told me, like, okay, my win condition is to go dig for Time Walk after casting a bunch of artifacts and then attack you with uh, all these tokens in this Monastery Mentor. And I was like, okay, well, let's see it. Cause yeah. I'm on like, camera. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm on camera. I don't think many people have seen this deck before. I want to make sure that everyone sees what's yeah, of happening course. here. And so we go through it a couple times, I think or I just concede at that point, and then uh, we go on to game two. So, like, at that point, I was just thinking, what exactly am I... How how am I fighting this deck? Because this is something I've never seen before. Because the amount of times I play against Matt Murray online is pretty low. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm bringing in Energy Fluxes, because he's a very artifact-heavy deck. I'm bringing in uh, Assassin's Trophies to deal with, Monastery Mentor, New Narset, and just things like that. And I think there was... I think I also brought in a Mind Break Trap just as well, just to be like, okay, they've ca- like he's cast a million cards. I'm just going to, when he goes for the time lock, Mind Break Trap. Bam. Yeah. Problem solved. Uh, and I ended up losing that one pretty pretty badly. I got locked underneath a new Narset and a new Teferi as well. And that oh, was, yeah.
0: There you go. That's yeah,
1: over. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it's over. Like When you mulligan to five, and your five, I, I believe my five was Deathrite Shaman, Tropical Tropical, uh, collector Oof, Collector Oof. I was like, you know what? I can't complain at that point. Yeah. Like, it, it, This is shutting off most of his deck, and all I have to do at that point is just play these Collector Oofs, and like, maybe that will win me the game. And so I got to the point that I played both of my Collector Oofs, and then he played uh, his Narset and his Teferi, and then Teferi bounced the first one, and uh, then I can't remember... I don't know why I didn't recast it, but uh, the second one, either I tried to recast it or something, but I think I only had one in that play. I pass to him, goes to his turn, uh, takes up the Teferi, and then uh, we go to my turn. I draw my card for the turn, and he starts off, while you're still in your draw step, Chain of Vapor, your other collector roof. I'm like, okay, well, I can't do anything about that. And he reminds me, like, okay, you can sack a land to copy this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. Sack this. I'm going to bounce Teferi. Because in my mind, I'm thinking I want to be able to interact on his turn with whatever he's going to do. And I know yeah. he has a time twister in his hand. So I want to be able to actually have something I can do. And, like, hindsight was 2020, 20, Maybe I should have bounced the Narset instead for when he starts time twistering. But I'm like, okay, let's copy it to bounce the Teferi. And he's like, response, I'm going to cast time Twister. I'm like, crap, I'm not drawing any cards at this point. So let's let's do the thing. And so I so shuffle up, I give him my deck, and he's like, You can just have that back. And I just sit there and I, I think I remember saying, sadness resolves yeah. just because of not being able to draw cards off the time twister. And then I uh, after he draws his new hand, he's like, Okay, your chain of vapor copy is chain of vapor copy is still on the stack. I'm gonna mental misstep that. I was like Alright, that's pretty sad I yep. uh, just passed the turn I think I just had left at that point Was a tropical island and a death right shaman So I was like, well, what can I do? And then proceeded in the next turn to start Comboing off and killing me that way And I got really sad But hey, that's magic sometimes Yep We want To acquire Support subscribers believe when we say you'll win all your die rolls and be on the play patreon it's only one click away
0: patreon
1: head on over and donate to patreon there won't be any misplays
0: support eternal turtles podcast today all right, so then we go on to round three. I played against a uh, Simic Shardless Agent deck. Um, so you know, I I, asked, I was like, when am I going to get to see fair fair decks? And it's apparently mm-hmm. at O two in round three. And yep. so my opponent cast a uh, Deathrite Shaman into a Shardless... Or, or actually I think he cast a, a Noble Hierarch into a, uh, a Shardless Agent, and he hit Time Walk, and I spell Pierce that. And then uh, he cast another Charlotte's Agent, and he got some cantrip. Mm -hmm. And then he got a third Charlotte's Agent, um, and he'd already attacked me with two, and I was able to play Dak Faden uh, the next turn and steal his untapped Charlotte's Agent. Uh, We traded uh, Charlotte's Agents, and he killed my Dak, and then I uh, slowly grinded my way back into the game, because at that point he had no cards in his hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got out running six and ultimated uh, what's called Uh, Chandra, uh, mm-hmm. eventually. And, and then I just started killing all his land and, uh, I ended up killing all his mana dorks and then he conceded. Um, so I lived the dream. I had the collector your old foul, run six, strip mine, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I killed all his manadorks. So I, I, literally left my opponent with no possible mana on the board. Yeah. Uh, and in the second game, it was pretty similar, but I think I had a, a grip from the very beginning of that game instead of, uh, coming from behind. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I was happy to get my first win in and, uh, and then, and move on to the next round.
1: Yeah. So my round three, I, I couldn't think of a good name to call it. It was what you played against, like the combination of oath and shops. I ended up just calling it kosher shops because you got corn, you got oath and like oath kind of sounds like, Osher. So I was like (laughs) kosher shops. I thought it was like,
0: you'll never put them both on the same plate.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up calling it Kosher Shops. Uh, But yeah, I played against that. Uh, So, like, his turn, like, my opponent's turn started out with, like, your typical Karn Shops with Mystic Forge uh, start with just a lot of artifact mana and then Mystic Forge. And I just remember being like, okay, like, I think I have, like, a good ant, like, I remember looking at a Force of Vigor in my hand. I was like, okay, I've got my green card for this. I'm going to be fine. And then he goes to play something else. I'm like, okay, I'm going to respond, and I'm going to kill your Grim Monolith and your Mystic Forge, so that way we can stop you comboing right now. He then proceeds to play a uh, Mox Opal and then an Oath of Druids, and I was like, what?
0: Yeah, uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. Did not see that coming. Oath of Druids, particularly bad for your deck, which is just full of creatures. Yeah, that, like... Oath is not a great matchup for me. Just, you don't play uh, Cloud Chaser Eagle, right? No, I do <laughs> the not play. ETB Cloud of destroying an enchantment. No, like my
1: only way to deal with an Oath as soon as it hits the board is either uh, Force of Vigor, or if they have a really slow start and I get like a Time Walk turn or something, then it's Trigon Predator. Oof. And Trigon Predator is pretty solid. Yeah, it's a pretty solid thing. Like, if you're playing against a Shops or Oath opponent and they're just having a really slow start, you just keep pinging in over and over again. Eventually, they're going to lose all all the gas that they need. And so... Yeah. Yeah, but I lost to them 0-2. Oh uh, game two, we actually had a pretty grindy game where I had a collector oof in play and they just sat there and looked at everything for a while and were completely lost and confused. Um, trying to think, did I what did I lose to from that? It wasn't an oath. It was, I think it was just from getting beat to death by a sphere of resistance or a mystic forge or something. And just keeping a collector oof in play. And I was like, well, you lose to Karn sometimes and that's okay. Yeah. Karn makes guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Karn <laughs> makes dudes. And eventually you die to them.
0: Yep. All right. So then we go to round four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played against a bug control list, uh, prep, pretty similar to the list that won the uh won the event uh Joe Brennan mm-hmm. took took the event down and it yeah. was just bug control versus uh a uh you know a, a rug threshold list
1: blue hate bears almost is what yeah. it seemed like yeah
0: pretty much like you know they're playing Narset. uh they they've got a what's called death Rate shaman and Tarmogoyf, you know and i have yeah. Tarmogoyf, I have ways to deal with their death red shamans, which is mm-hmm. a big deal for me because I need to be able to uh, use my land to eat their land. Um, yeah. and and both of those uh, games for me, uh, I, we played three games. uh, the two that I won were basically because I was uh, I had a pretty good like starting hand and I think I even like turned one uh Renan sixth uh, against him once mm-hmm. and got and got back a, a land on my first turn. so uh, being able to like I can't overstate. How good renin Six is in every format that it's legal in. Uh, it, it feels, it just feels so good to be able to be like, okay, I'm gonna get this land back. I have another card in my hand now. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. next turn, I'm gonna get a land. You you never go down on like you never have a problem getting lands into play, which is mm-hmm. which is good if you're actually going a long game, especially when you're playing fair deck versus fair deck. Yeah. Um and uh yeah so I mean it basically just came down to to stuff like. I have a Tarmogoyf in play, he has a Tarmogoyf in play, I attacked, and he was like, well, I'll block, and I'm like, okay, I'll ping your Tarmogoyf with my Resin 6 you know, stuff like that, like, where he had to block to stay in the game, and if I didn't have Mm -hmm. a Renin-6, he would have had to deal with it. Uh, I uh, did not play um, any misdirection effects, and he did -hmm. uh, did get to Abrupt Decay a couple of things, but he also was playing Trophy, Assassin's Trophy, and I did just counter Assassin's Trophy a couple of times. Um, Assassin's Trophy is really good in this format because it can just outright kill things, uh, big things mm-hmm. even, um, but, uh, and, and you don't have the land normally, you don't have, like, basics in your deck normally, um, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not being able to, uh, deal with, uh, deal with not being countered is, is a detriment at times.
1: Yeah, like, that's, like, when, so in Modern when I was playing The Rock for a little bit, uh, like, I even had a hard time just saying, like, oh... I don't want to move away from Abrupt Decay just because of the ability that it can't be countered. Like, it's so important sometimes. Yeah. But having that Assassin's Trophy just to hit, like, one of the really troublesome permanents that you can't hit with Abrupt Decay is really nice as well. Like, like, Abrupt Decay can't hit Jace the Mind Sculptor, and that's kind of, like, a big one a lot of the times in Vintage is just being able to hit that Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yep. Or hitting Mishra's Workshop, that's kind of a big, important
0: one. Yeah, it being, it being able to double as a as a sinkhole is pretty good. Even now, like, you know, with Ren and Six out there, like, sinkhole is obviously not as good a card, but still, like, not every deck's playing Ren and Six. Um, yeah, so what did you play in, uh, in the fourth round?
1: So I also played against Bug Control in round four, and uh, I, I distinctly remember, uh, like, before starting the round, uh, Daniel Miller, he's a big vintage person, like, big eternal format person and part of the Arabian Nights team. Uh, he was also at, a, like, at the low tables as well with everyone else. And he's one of those people who's just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm playing paper vintage as well. And was there just to make sure that everyone else was happy. And so he was saying, like, oh, are we all – like, we're all happy gentlemen down at the bottom of tables. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm a pretty happy gentleman right here. And my opponent walking up was like, are you kidding me? I'm so mad right now. I've had the worst day ever. And it was just like – was super salty for – I could not tell any reason. Yeah. Probably the fact that he was 0 and 3 at the time. Yeah, I
0: mean, oh, being 0 and 3 helps.
1: Yeah, being 0 and 3 will make you pretty salty sometimes, but like, you gotta enjoy the little things. You gotta smell yeah. the roses sometimes. So, anyways, uh, I lost to him 1 and 2. So at this point, I finally got my first game win, and that's just <laughs> yeah. Like, I think what happened, like, so it was game one that I won, and I distinctly remember what happened. I I think it was just like having a super fast start with either survival of the fittest. Or Bazaar of Baghdad, and just every single time he went for something and he's like was pretty low on cards, just like a preordainer or ancestral recall. I just had the missed up there ready to go, just to be like missed at that. And so I felt really good about that game one. And then game two, oh, I have this is my favorite play from all that weekend uh was this game two. So my opponent opponent leads on turn one. I so I guess I should say with Mulligan decisions, I mulligan down to six and my hand was misstep, misstep, green card for force of vigor, force of vigor, bazaar of Baghdad, bazaar of Baghdad, I want to say. And I was like, okay, this is a pretty decent hand I can keep against a control opponent. And I remember bringing in an additional misstep just to make sure I could I keep misstepping the stuff that was important to misstep. So my opponent goes turn one, uh, blue source, or a way to get a blue source, black lotus pass. I'm like, do I just want to kill this Lotus now? And I remember thinking, yeah, I want to kill this Lotus and just try and cut them off of resources. Because that's kind of like one of the big things against the control decks is just to cut them off of the resources. So I go, end of turn, force of vigor, pitching my green card to hit your black Lotus. My opponent's like, okay, I'm going to crack this for triple blue. uh, Then let the force of vigor resolve, and then goes to cast Ancestral Recall. I'm like, misstep that. opponent's like, okay, fine. Snapcaster Mage with the two floating blue. Okay, fine. And then... Gets the blue source or has the blue source already there. Cast ancestral recall, targeting myself. Misstep your ancestral what? recall. And my opponent was so mad about it afterwards. And yeah, I just felt great. never
0: good. Never good.
1: No, never good to have your ancestral recall misstep twice. Yeah. And like and like the thing was I kept the two missteps for the misstep battle that was gonna happen. Of course. And I was like, okay, like I'm I feel ready for this. And just getting to misstep the ancestral twice was really nice. But going down to sixteen for it, you end up losing to Snapcaster Beats after a while. Yeah. And I was like, okay, whatever, that happens. I didn't change anything for game three. But game three, I lost to um uh, Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale, which was kind of a bummer.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, uh, a hard one for you to come up, come across with.
1: Yeah, like there's there's ways to get past it, but since Bug Control's t- uh typically a wasteland and null rod deck, you you kinda get beat by the wastelands and every once in a while. Yep. And Survival is a very non-basic heavy deck where you're have, like your mana is three Tropical Islands, two Bayous, and a Forest most of the time, and so you're you're kind of constrained on mana, and your other green sources at that point are Elvish Spirit Guide. So you, your your mana matters a lot in that yeah. deck, and getting Wastelanded out is never fun, and then Tabernacle it just is just makes it a little bit harder.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, so we go on to round five. I picked up my third win in a row in round five. Uh, I, I played against, uh, Rafferino on, uh, on Agro shops, the like ravager shops deck, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think, I think after looking at the, the field and seeing what people were doing with forge, uh, he, he decided that, uh, th- this was not the optimal build per se, but mm-hmm. R- Raff really did not like, uh, what, what's happening with, uh, uh mystic forge right now. And, uh, and so it, 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 he was still a, a little uh, affected by the previous game. So mm-hmm. uh, in playing, he made a couple of mistakes ag- against me uh, early in the, in the uh, beginning of the second game. And he just was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, my heart's not in it right now. And so he scooped uh, as, as I was attacking with a Tarmogoyf. So I didn't get a real, like, I love Rafferino. He's awesome. And I didn't get a real Rafferino match. Like he's one of the first people I ever played in vintage and he's mm-hmm. uh, if you look at the Vice documentary uh, about about uh, Magic the Gathering, he's in there like I think 15 minutes. Uh, him and his brother uh, uh, Vincent, I believe, uh, are, yeah. are are on are on that uh, documentary. And yeah. uh, and they're they're great dudes. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it was it was a pleasure to play against him. I I, I was bummed that uh, he uh, he was he was bummed. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I took I, I was obviously happy to take the wins. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now three and two going in, going into the sixth round. And now, uh, so what, what did you play in, in fifth round? So round five, I got paired against
1: 60 islands. Yeah. So I I got that one. Did you get there? there? (laughs) Yeah. So I can't remember his name, but it he was there just to to support Nick Detweiler for the event. And so he just sat down across from me and I was really tempted to just concede to him just so i could keep an 0 and 5 record (laughs) just so that i could keep going with no wins but i was like you know what i i gotta take it how it is i'll just take the win whatever so what we ended up doing was i shuffled up my deck uh i went to like cut and present and he just drew seven cards and then i drew seven cards and so we just played a game of magic with my deck right there uh and i ended up winning the survival mirror which was pretty nice yeah uh when you when you get access to most of the lands uh and most of the venge Vines and hollow ones, you end up winning the game. Yeah, that'll
0: do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't I'm share so a graveyard?
1: What, uh no, we did not share <laughs> a graveyard. We both
0: had our own graveyards. Okay, okay, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so yeah, that was my round five. Alright, 60
0: islands. 60 islands. Mm-hmm. Solid choice of a basic land as far as if you're gonna play all the all of one basic land, right?
1: Yeah, my partner was saying that uh, this person playing six, the island should have had the 15, uh, 15 mountains in the sideboard oh, just yeah. to really th- just flop. Yeah. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah, so uh, in round six, I got paired up uh, against Paradoxical Outcome. And this was a matchup I was super ready for. Um, you know, the Collector elves, uh I'm playing a main deck Ancient Grudge. Plenty of ways to stop this deck from doing its thing. Mm -hmm. I did not mulligan properly in this matchup. I wasn't even thinking about mulliganing properly. And uh, so in round... Man, I
1: hope I'm not cutting out here.
0: No, you're good. And in round one, I... uh, I, Sorry, game one, I just decided, like, okay, I'm just going to try and Ancestral my way into this match. And so uh, I think he played... uh, uh like a Tefri or something like that like kind of stopped stopped me from he played something that I, I knew that I was screwed if I didn't just play out my hand, so I mm-hmm. uh ancestraled snap ancestraled, did not see a single force of will, no counter magic at all, and he just went off uh on me that game very easy for him to do second game, um I get into sort of a similar situation, but I get collector Ulf down and he counters it, and I was like, oh okay, you know that's gonna happen. So I I I mm-hmm. could have Mulligan smarter, but like at least I got the Collector off on like onto the stack. And so he starts going off. Uh, I've got like Tarmogoyf down and Run Six. I'm trying to like get him off of get him off, but like still, he's he's doing his thing right. And he yeah. produces 90 Goblin tokens off of an empty the Warrens. I follow that up with a Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale. Mm-hmm. From that, he's able to keep 16 tokens. I'm at 18 life. Um, I can block so that I only take like 12 damage because I've got a bunch of guys out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I get to my turn. I wasteland his uh, – because I had to play the I, – I didn't have the wasteland in play, so I had mm-hmm. to wait a turn to play the wasteland on his Tulare Academy and he only got to keep like five of his tokens. And he still was able to like kill me at that point, which was sort of a bummer. Cause I had the answer. It just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I, that's where I was with, with that. I, I wish I had played that a little bit smarter. I really was hoping that he was going to draw his entire deck and be like, okay, well I'm going to keep one card in my deck to be able to draw and attack you. And then I would just throw down the tabernacle and he'd be like, no, what have I done? Uh, but he said that he had a time twister ready uh, in case something happened. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my my sixth round, which knocked me out of prize contention. Uh, I feel like I there were two there were two rounds where I really could have mulligan smarter and and uh, probably would have uh, been X and one had I had the same mm-hmm. matchups. You know, obviously your matchups yeah. are going to change. The quality of the the player at the top of the bracket obviously better as well. But had I yeah. seen these same same matchups all the way through, I think I could I could have went X and one with this deck. I feel good about the deck. Yeah, that's good. That's good that you feel good about the
1: deck. I I think your PO opponent that you were playing against round six. I actually played against him in my testing online, uh, before flying out to New York, and I just remember, like resolving Collector Oof, playing Survival, and just seeing them go like, okay, paradoxical. Do I have enough? Nope, concede. Yeah. And then he had to keep that Collector Oof
0: off the board. He he knew that.
1: Yeah, Collector Oof is just Oof Oof. Whatever mm. it is, Clark, it. it's so good.
0: Yeah, very good. This is it's 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 a tier one vintage card for sure. Oh. Anytime you put a a great sideboard card on a stick, like, come on. It, yeah, you cannot
1: complain with that. Let's see. So my round six, it was against. Uh, so I keep calling it Bug red, or Bug R. So just Bug with Red for Red and Six in there. Yep. And at this point in the tournament, I didn't care if I won or lost. So. I was kind of keeping pretty loose hands and not really caring at that point anymore. I knew I was out for prize contention. I was just there to play at that point. And so I played against them and they ended up beating me. Uh, Like I got them really close to dead in game one, like three or two life left at that point. Like just so incredibly close, just not enough reach. Mm -hmm. And they ended up resolving, uh, like an Ancestral Recall twice off of a Snapcaster Mage, dig through time. They just had enough card advantage that they were able to dig their way out of it. And I was like, bummer. I did not have enough, but I was so close and that was good enough for me. And then game two, I, I trying to remember if they brought in a Tabernacle or not. I just, I just remember being at that point where I was like, okay, I don't feel like my sideboarding decisions really matter at this point. I'm here just to try and have fun. And so I was bringing in like Assassin's Trophies and just other random stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm good with this. I, I, well, Let's just shuffle up and get this over with. And so, shuffled up, uh, we played the game, and I ended up losing 0-2. Uh, and at that point, I was like, okay, whatever happens at this point happens. I'm here hanging out. And uh, one of the analogies that kept happening during the tournament, uh, this was, uh, so after round two, David Tao was saying, that uh, after playing against Matt Murray, that I was a man who was just walking into the ocean and just continued walking and walking. And so every time after the tournament, I would see him and just tell him how far into the ocean I was. And uh, I think by that point, I was like, yeah, I'm up past my knees at this point. Like, there's nothing I could really do. And he would just keep laughing every time I said something like that.
0: Yeah, so uh, I guess so. Let's go into the final round. Uh, All right. Uh, how, how'd you do in the final round? Round seven. So, my final, so my round seven
1: for me was versus the steak dinner. Oh, and yes. I, I ended up beating the steak dinner 2 0, which was really good. <laughs> uh, they put up a good fight with uh, some some good tasting steak, but uh, it wasn't enough. Right. I, I ended up beating it 2 0. I ended up, I ended up
0: also playing a steak dinner because they I got a uh, an opponent who did not show up so uh, we had to wait the 10 minutes and then we went up and had a steak dinner which was excellent. Um, yep. I also won a uh, karn, uh, karn uh what's it called a uh, playmat that was signed uh, which I'll be giving out on the cast this week uh, to somebody uh, one of our mm-hmm. patrons uh, so that'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, overall I had a really good time at the tournament. I learned a lot about how the formats changed over the last, over the last like six months. Uh, I definitely, Mm -hmm. I definitely would play this deck again. I'm really, I'm really excited to try and play this deck again. And, um, I I also learned that like the London Mulligan has changed things drastically. So I think that, um, going forward, I think I could do a lot better. I I mean, I, I ended up four and three, really three and three, if we don't count my opponent not showing up, uh, I feel like I could have converted two of those losses into wins had I just been a little bit smarter with my mulligans.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, I think for me what... So, a lot of what my prep was before the tournament was just playing Magic Online and just seeing what would happen there. And a lot of my prep was playing against Dredge decks. So, I think I overprepared for Dredge a little bit, and I don't feel like I had enough for shots, in my opinion. But in the end of the day, like, at the end of the day, like... Four main deck force of vigor and three main deck collector. Oof, like it's typically going to be pretty fine against most Shops decks. Yep. But it just in the end, it did Like sometimes it just didn't feel like enough.
0: I should mention that we did uh, square off at the end of the day and you waffle stomp me. Yeah. It wasn't even close. <laughs> uh, so that deck feels very, very favored against other fair decks, and it looks like you didn't play a ton of fair decks over uh, over the course of the day.
1: Yeah, like, the only fair decks that I played against were the Bug Control at the and the Bug Red. Uh, like, the Eldrazi deck is kind of a fair deck, and I mean, that match, uh, like, outside of game one, the game two was just so close the entire time. Yeah. Like, like everything about that game, or everything about that match felt so close. That, like, with some other micro decisions and, like, thinking more, like, I guess thinking more about Mulligan decisions, like, being more up to date on what exactly is happening in the legacy metagame, or not legacy, excuse me, vintage. vintage, then like I think I could have made a much more informed decision of saying, don't take these collector oofs out. They're too good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of
0: course. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that uh, I mean that that pretty much does it for the tournament. Uh, Gordon, thank you so much for uh, for joining me this week. Uh, in a pinch, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our uh, new and improved uh, pledges. Some people have upped their pledges, which is awesome, on Patreon. Thank you for supporting us, guys. So Travis uh, Travis from the Legacy Pit, uh, Axel, uh, Sean, and uh, Chris, uh, thank you so much, guys, for uh, either upping your pledge or, uh, or pledging, period. Uh, and uh, I've, I've actually got a few t-shirts to... Uh, Sent out this week. Uh we've got a couple people that got over the twenty dollar mark. Um and uh and and uh Gordon, we'll be sending you a t-shirt as well, man. Sweet. Thank <laughs> you very much. Uh so yeah, uh thanks everybody for for listening. And uh I think uh we'll we'll have either Nate or Phil back with us next week. Um that does it for us this week. Have a good one, everybody. Stop, stop, animals I need more stuff. It's how Keep up with the Joneses. Stop, stop. I need more stuff. Can you see? I need more stuff. It's how up with the Joneses. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys?